Welcome to But Why Though, the podcast, a periodic discussion with guests from around the But Why Though writing community, brought together under one roof to discuss the latest happenings in the nerd pop culture community. My name is Aaron. I'm a wayward bard and storyteller on your guide today, and I am joined by Adrian, our dungeon master extraordinaire. And hey, but, how's it going? And But Why Those very own spellcaster and mage, Charles. Pleasure to be here. Uh, welcome, Charles. Charles is first time on the podcast. How you feeling, pal? Doing good. I'm excited to get to talk about all the things today. Nice, nice. And Adrian is a regular here. He's a he's a part of the fabric at this point. Yeah, and that um, that's the best intro I think I've ever gotten. So thank you. Nice, nice. <laughs> I, I I was gonna say I keep feeling I have to like up my standards now every time I introduce someone. But if you're listening and you you, you noticed a theme there with the introduction today, that's. We're going to be getting into some D and D topics. We're we're excited, so let let's let's dive in. So uh, we were looking at some of the trailers from the last time we did the podcast, and some of the stuff that caught our eyes from uh, the last time around was The Last of Us came out with a new trailer, uh, The Witcher Blood Origin. Uh, some honorable mentions. We won't be talking about them, but good trailers. If you want to go take a look? Was uh, Transformers: Rise of the Beasts, uh, Guardians of the Galaxy Three. Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. Hopefully it's better than the Crystal Skull. And uh, just announced very, very recently was a Dark Tower series coming to Prime Video with Mike Flanagan, uh, which I'm very excited to talk about, if I'm honest. Um, our weekly topic is going to be diving in what it takes to bring a D&D narrative um, to the visual medium of uh, TV and movies, because there's definitely been a swell lately in the entertainment industry uh, in multiple instances. And we're going to dissect into that. I know Adrian's raring to go uh, in all of that topic. And then obviously we'll finish off like we always do every week, uh, telling you what some of the things that we are watching and what we think you should also watch. Uh, so stick around for that. But uh, let's get into it. Uh, topic one, our recent news and some of the stuff that's gotten our uh gotten us all excited from trailers and some of the latest news uh first up gents the last of us uh adaptation by uh naughty dog from playstation 4 playstation 5 starring pedro pascal bella ramsey uh, gabrielle luna uh nick offerman uh, it will be coming to hbo max on january 23rd adrian i'll start with you what do you think about the trailer yeah, the trailer, the trailer looks good. Um, I don't have and haven't had a, a PlayStation since like PS2 days. So I've never played The Last of Us. I, I kind of know like the general thing for it. And I think that trailer just really gave me everything that I, I know about the series. There's some zombies. There are some bad people. Uh, it's a, you know, Mandalorian-esque, like that kind of dad and child surrogate thing going on um and you know i'm excited it looks very very good and i'm a pedro pascal horse so i'll take him in literally anything that he does uh throw nick offerman in there and whatever role he's doing and and i'm with it so i don't know too much about like the story or, or what happened but from what people have been saying and maybe you can speak to this a little bit better aaron but it looks pretty pretty authentic and pretty accurate to to what i've seen in like gameplay footage so um i'm, I'm pretty excited about it i mean I, I yeah i'm i'm beyond excited honestly um i i know I didn't play it when it first came out. I only recently just got a PlayStation 5. Before then, I the last console I owned, well, I guess, you, you know, I have my Nintendo Switch that I played with the kids, but before then it was an Xbox 360. So 
took some time off. Um, but yeah, so I, I only just played uh, The Last of Us recently, and it's it's phenomenal. Um, it's it's interesting as a game because the game's not like particularly like compelling or like super engaging. Like a lot of the mechanics are very repetitive. The levels kind of get very samey, but like the visuals and the storytelling is is just so good, and the characters that are on show and kind of like what's going on. So I think it really this adaptation especially i think really really works um for a tv show especially on something like hbo max add in there gabrielle luna add in there daddy pedro add in there nick offerman i mean it's it's just some phenomenal casting and i think week to week this is going to be one of those hbo shows that really drags people in and they've got a history of doing that hbo like picking projects that really work on that that weekly uh, distribution system. So, Charles, how how are you feeling lately with a lot of these like uh, video game adaptations? Because it seems like we're hitting this pace where we're starting to adapt more and more of this as well. So, like, is is this something that like gets you excited as a gamer? Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, it's really it's really awesome that um uh, video game adaptations have gotten to the point now where they're basically just like movies where an announcement comes out and we're like we'll see if it's good not an announcement's come out oh god here we go again um also just on a related note shout out to Akane for winning the best adaptation award first time ever on the game awards just a little while ago before before recording uh personal favorite series of mine so love to see it um but yeah no i mean everything i i haven't i've never played the last of us games um so i'm not overly i mean I listen to enough podcasts and information about it that it's kind of like if you haven't seen Star Wars, you still know the plot of Star Wars sort of situation for me where yeah. I know yeah. about Joel and Ellie and the clickers, not zombies. <laughs> um, yeah, and, and that's right. That's right. They they get very specific names and never really call them zombies. <laughs> not zombies. Uh, whatever. They're zombies. Um but yeah, I mean, I definitely, from what I've seen, like I saw the first season of The Mandalorian, so Pedro Pascal definitely seems like a good pick in that role. Um, I was not aware that Nick Offerman was going to be in it either, but seeing him, I'm like, oh, cool. That's like the most hype moment I had from it, just because Nick Offerman being in anything generally makes it better. Um, but yeah, no, it definitely looks like it has that very like the walking dead level zombie vibe of this is going to be depressing and rough and zombies and you know which people seem to love so you know i hope that it comes through there's it's definitely one of the bigger like narrative video game projects that are like you can't screw like like you can kind of like i know like the halo show came out to mixed reviews but halo has never been completely about its narrative so i feel like there's less whereas like with last of us that's what everyone says is it's the narrative. The story yeah. is so good and you cannot F up that story. So hopefully it'll come through. Yeah. And there's a void there, right? I mean, there's no more Walking Dead. Uh, the fear of the Walking Dead wasn't as well received. So I think there's a gap in kind of like this clicker, whatever. I don't know. There's obviously me. You're right, Charles. There's zombies. Uh, like this kind of like zombie, like week to week, high tension, people are going to die type of drama. So I'm ready for it. I'm ready for it. I'm, re- I'm ready for the week to week discussions in our in our discord for sure. It's it's going to be interesting because like the 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 landscape and the, the world building that kind of goes on around it is is very interesting because you've got like the you know the surviving community of the of the world after this virus has broken out. They always seem to do in the zombie uh, stories. Um, but yeah, no, it's interesting. I, I do I do like the um, 
the creative adaptation to kind of like the clickers and what builds up after like these infection and because it, it actually starts to affect the plantation and the vegetation around it as well um so it's kind of like an in- interesting twist on it but yeah it's, it's really good and I, I, i'm excited the trailer looks good and again Bella ramsey looks fantastic pedro pa- pascal looks fantastic and he's really gotten that like gruff joel like scorned by the world and shutting his heart off because he doesn't want to be hurt anymore so i'm excited I, I really am so i think it's like you said adrian it's going to get a lot of people talking uh it's going to get a lot of people and, and again it's just the essence of those hbo shows that, that tend to to drag people in and get them uh, excited week to week uh moving on to our next one uh we have the witcher blood origin uh charles uh this one was definitely one that caught your attention from this week what did you think yeah, um, I, uh, full disclosure, not the biggest Witcher fan. Um, I tried to play Witcher 2 and Witcher 3, and they never, I just bounced off of them pretty hard. I, I know the story's supposed to be great, did not enjoy the gameplay. Uh, watched the first season of The Witcher, and it was good. You know, it didn't blow me away, but I'm also not pre-connected to those characters, so I'm sure that's part of it. But, like, watching the trailer, I thought it looked really cool. Um, you know, the casting looked really good. I mean, like, very classic D&D looking party they got going on there um, and stuff. But the only thing that like, well, like the the visuals look great. The characters look cool. My only thing that like I, I noticed when they were, well, as the trailer was going that I was like, hmm, I don't know about that is, you know, they're setting up this like big epic sort of journey. It's a four episode mini. Yeah. That's really like, are they just going to be like hauling through these? Like, how epic is this going to be with that much? Unless they're like hour and a half episodes, like that's not a lot of time to give tell an epic story. I I hope that it comes through not feeling rushed and stuff. But like, it's just like as soon as I like I was always like, oh, this is going to be like a huge, like possibly multi-season thing. Maybe maybe this is just going to be the start of it because of how they build up. Then they're like four episode miniseries. Like, yeah, geez. it's 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 interesting that you mentioned that. Um, Adrian, any, any thoughts on that particular point? I know I've got a few. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm I, I played Witcher three. Um, I, I watched season one of Witcher, loved it. Wasn't as big on season two of The Witcher, and then obviously, like we were, we're getting like recast itself. We don't even know what's going to happen for for the other thing. So um, I'm excited. Mm-hmm. I, I, yeah, I don't, who wants? I, no one wants that. Uh, but you know what I do want Michelle you and like literally anything she does ever so um, yeah yeah so it's putting her in that universe Uh, obviously she's going to be doing some amazing stunts and the choreography is going to be on point just because she's a part of it in general it wouldn't be good without she wouldn't be a part of something that didn't have really good fight scenes and choreography and action just because you know and and drama and passion and storytelling but i didn't even know it was gonna be a four-part miniseries do do we know like how long the episodes are is it gonna be like like um stranger things where it was like hour and a half episodes they're like little mini movies or is it just gonna be 45 minute jaunts of, of four episodes do we do we know the runtime yet uh no. no well i don't they may have i know the trailer just said a four episode miniseries and that uh. was it so i don't know if there may be something else somewhere but yeah I don't yeah. know, but yeah, I totally agree. That makes me a little worried. Yeah, it makes, makes me a little worried, especially because The Witcher just has so much history and story and lore um, that you could easily brush by it if you don't you know, give it the attention it deserves. And well, so, Witcher so, fans are, are pretty onto it, so they'll probably let, let people know if, if it's not accurate. So I, I, I guess my, my initial thought in relation to this and my very brief understanding, because like, like Charles, I'm kind of in a similar boat. Like I've only really watched 
the show uh, season one and season two and then i watched the animated movie as well which is fantastic um but i that's the you know I, i've seen a couple of like youtube videos here and there kind of like talking about like the the origin the background behind it and everything like that um but i guess from what i'm led to believe like this is going to be a prequel series so i'm assuming if it's going to be a full part um mini series that unlike something like the rings of power where you're well building and your character building and you're kind of like trying to show these different elements of kind of like lord of the rings and trying to build it out into a multi-season franchise this one seems very direct like they have a through narrative it, it's likely going to have if it has any kind of subplots that are going to be wrapped up fairly quickly but it seems like it's getting to the point where i mean because you hear it right and talking in the trailer where they're like they start to see like demons cross over from the monoliths and like what are these things and like that's the big you know event i think they're leading to like these monoliths crack they fall the you know the monsters start coming through and then it's the the birth of the witches almost it, it seems that way because they talk about you know man has only just arrived or they're not really like kind of like it's the the height of the El elven kingdom and stuff like that so i think they're setting up a lot that will tie to the original um uh, season one season two of the witcher and who knows maybe this is um almost like the origin story that will link into a season three or maybe something they've planned i know they had a couple of other uh spin-offs i think in mind so um obviously with henry cavill recently leaving um now he's not going to play superman as well in dc reportedly so hopefully he comes back still um but yeah it's going to be interesting to see how they take it i i i like the idea of doing this kind of origin story and kind of um expanding the world and kind of especially like for someone like me you know maybe charles this will bring you in as well i don't i don't know a lot about the world all i know is you know what i've seen from it so it'd be interesting to see it again it seems like a very rich world there's a lot of different things to explore as far as the politics with different communities and then you know the uh all the monsters themselves that could set up a lot of different things so I, i'm i'm really curious by it and you know given this comes out uh on december 25th netflix is uh keeping up the tradition of trying to drop the witcher just in time for the holidays so you know toss a coin to to witcher yeah i mean and, and that that's the thing too the my experience with witcher is like very rooted in like my dad and my brother and i like playing the games and then watching the shows and talking about them literally during christmas so yeah, I think, yeah. you know regardless of what happens i'm going to be watching it during you know the holidays anyway so i'll be there and i'm, and I'm hoping it's good and looking forward to those discussions I mean, to, to see what, yo man i yeah. mean i love she's that so i like how she's so she much. just recently um you know she was just recently named uh, Time Woman of the Year. I mean, she's awesome. I think she's, uh, you know, early mid fifties, yeah. and she's yeah. still just she smashed ass. It. She smashed it this year. Like, oh uh, she doesn't she was... have to do this. This she doesn't have to do this series. She you doesn't know? have to go that hard. Like, it's just it's unfair for the rest of us. Like, she's so good. I mean, start. Uh, she was obviously she's gonna. Uh, I imagine she's gonna clean up in the award season for everything, everywhere, all at once. I mean, if you haven't watched that movie please i beg you go see it is absolutely bonkers and you'll be like what is going on but by the end of it it's, it's just so good uh but she's been in so much and she just she kills it she brings such an intensity to the role and her martial arts skills are unparalleled um yeah i'm i'm purely in it because it's witcher world and michelle yo i mean there's really not much you had to, to sell me on and 
release not on Christmas? Sure, I've got time off. I'll I'll absolutely eat that stuff up. So yeah, I think it's safe to say we're all a little bit excited about that one coming up. All right, I'm moving on to our last little uh, topic of the week. Um, is an announcement that just recently came out, and I don't know where you gent- gents fall on this, but I'm being completely selfish. We usually give Kate a little room to be selfish on something she's going to nerd out about. This week is mine. So it was just recently announced uh, in Deadline uh, that Mike Flanagan uh, is leaving Netflix uh, and he's taking his production company over to uh, Prime Video and he was able to secure the rights for The Dark Tower. He revealed he's a a longtime fan. uh, He loves the series and he's always wanted to uh, adapt it in some fashion. Like he read the books, just absolutely loved it. And he's already kind of visualized and conceptualized the pilot episode as far as what he wants to do and everything like that. I love these books, man. I don't know. Have you gents been uh, introduced to the Dark Tower series from Stephen King at all? <laughs> um, I I have never read um, as as much as I am betraying my Maynard heritage. Um, I have never read anything <laughs> Stephen King. Um, really? That's surpri- um, that's yeah, surpri- um, that just does surprise me. Yeah, uh, I've I've never been a super big into horror books guy myself. I've seen a couple of like the adaptations. What was it? The Mist that was Thomas Jane was in. I want to say yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the yeah. Mist, I've seen. Yeah. I've seen a couple of the made for TV things and stuff. But um, I've always I've always heard great things about the Dark Towers books. Um, I've also like had the ending spoiled for me. So like I I mean it's so old you know whatever but so like i've never felt that inclination whenever something comes out like i seem to recall there was a movie that people don't talk about Uh, (laughs) i do know i I, i'm such a hypocrite because i still have not seen that movie because i just can't bring myself i watched the trailer and i wanted to be excited i actually know someone who worked on the movies uh uh, his company was doing the, uh, the filming for it in new york and he was a big fan of the series, and he was like, eh. "I was like, okay, well, I mean, he's a fan, and he's literally on set, and he's telling me it's not great." I'm like, okay, yeah, that's when 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 crew are not thrilled. That's that's definitely a a bad sign. Yeah, Adrian, what about you? Yeah, so this is the one where I'm not really engrossed or involved at all. Um, it, if if you listen to to the old podcast, it's you you probably know I have no I care not for horror, literally in any fashion, uh, shape or form. It's it's not my cup of tea. My grandma was a big Stephen King fan, so I know about Stephen King stories. I've seen Stephen King movies. I'm not a big book reader, yeah. um, but I know that like Mike Flanagan's done like a whole bunch of stuff, and people the horror community loves him. So I'm sure if this is like a darker yeah kind of yeah thing, like he, I'm sure he, he's gonna smash it. I'm sure and people yeah. are gonna love it. Well, and that's the, I guess the interesting thing about, um, I, I had a bit of a, a very small uh, Twitter thread uh, talking about the Dark Tower when this news announced, you know, before the podcast rolls out. Um, the Dark Tower is very interesting because it's kind of like a fusion of genres. It, it's not quite wholly horror, but it's not quite wholly anything else. Like it's it's almost a multiversal horror Western um I'm trying to think of the uh, uh, RPD. It, it's RPD. Yeah, no, it's I'm just kidding. <laughs> well, it's it's crazy. So you've got this like lead character who's literally called the Gunslinger with these massive like they they literally describe him as cannons that are on his um on his his hip and his waist and 
he's chasing a, a magician, uh, you know, another element like magic and stuff like that. And it it's just bonkers. Like it really encapsulates everything. It's dark, it's twisted. Again, like it has elements of horror, but it uses the elements of horror to in certain a certain capacity to kind of like heighten the story, but it's it just goes all over the place they cross through dimensions again there's this dark wizard that he's chasing um at one point there's a talking train there's magical it's 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 insane like again it's of of all the things i've read from stephen king i think i've never read anything quite like the dark tower just because he tends to usually write these so like more of those novella like short you know one you know in one shot stories um, and I, I think with the Dark Tower, that was his one continuing series. He actually wrote the Gunslinger, which is the the starting book for the series, when he was 19 years old. And he, he says in the foreword when you read the book, he was like, "I wrote this book, but as soon as I finished it, I realized the story was way too big with where I wanted to go for it, and I just didn't know how to handle it. The, the weight of the story felt bigger than I conceptually originally conceived, and." It just kind of it got away from him and he came back to it, I think, like 10, 15 years later until he wrote the next book. Um, and even when he where he takes it, the next section is crazy. But it's got a, there's a, a large community of like very dedicated fans out there. And I think what I'm hoping for is this is this definitely could be one of those um, large franchise type shows that just really adds a lot by um being adapted on a long form, sh- like on a, a long form format, like a, a TV show on Prime Video, um, we already had the the movie to very very mixed reception. And I know Prime Video had attempted to do a TV show, and I, I think it just hit the wall and creative differences, and it never really got off the road. So I'm hoping now with Flanagan on board, um, we're going to get something because it it really lends itself to some some great visuals. So hopefully they back it. I mean. They put like almost close to a billion in for Rings of Power, so <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. I'm very excited about that. If you're a Dark Tower fan, reach out to me. Let me know and say hello, because it'd be nice to know anyone else who's read the books. It's been years since I've read them, but my god, I mean, and it, you got me sold. I'm, I'm 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 ready for a watch. I have Prime Video. I, the I like, West, I like the Western, giant canon westerns. I'm I was gonna say the magical western element is is the one thing that always gets me. And it, you know, if you're in if you're in that same boat that you know uh charles is in as far as like you know the, the not having read the books or anything like that like it you'll you'll instantly be be pulled in it's it's got some great uh great characters very different characters as well like each one's very unique in a sense so um should be should be good fun i'm excited about that one all right so that was a uh, review of the, some of the weekly trailers that have caught our attention. Um, but now it's time to jump into our topic of the week. So uh, uh, earlier this week, as we were recording, there was a featurette that came out for the new D&D movie. Uh, if you've not seen it, I absolutely encourage you to go see it because uh, that featurette looks phenomenal. The trailer looks fantastic. Chris Bard playing a, a, a Chris Pine playing a bard. No, Chris Bard. Uh, Chris Bard works. <laughs> Chris Bard. That's his name from now Chris. on. <laughs> Chris Bard. Um, yeah, he's he just looks fantastic. This movie looks just so so good, and we kind of started to look at it like we've been getting a lot of D and D adapted stories lately in a lot of different elements. We just talked about the Witch of Blood Origin. 
and um, we not long had you know the rings of power we've had stranger things there's lots of different ways D narratives are being adapted into visual storytelling and we kind of decided that this would make a great topic of the week to kind of say how how do you extract the most um from a visual way to tell a DD story to make it successful because it's definitely been tried in the past and failed quite dramatically so Adrian, I know this is a, a big love of yours, and I know um, you got the the chance to interview uh, the folks over at like Vox Machina as well, which is another interesting adaptation that we've had recently. So, yeah, yeah. Um, so I, I think when when we look at and and again, you know, I'm I'm born in '93. I, I didn't go through like the dark days of D and D in the '80s, like where people were thinking y'all y'all were summoning demons and stuff. And that's, that's, that's not satanic me. panic. Yeah, that's that. I didn't live through that, but D and D has been a big part of my life since I'm I was in high school, and and I I really enjoy it. I I, I love it. And people might be asking, why are we getting a D and D movie? Well, D and D's popping right now, especially after the pandemic. Uh, like Wizard of the Coast saw like a thirty three percent jump in their sales oh, in twenty twenty, wow. despite the pandemic, and that was after. And then that's continuing like a I think at the time like a six year growth trend. Um, D and D TikTok has been a big part of D and D being bigger. D and D TikTok is is and I, and I'll, I mean, I say D and D and and for the people who are like, oh, it's tabletop RPG. Yeah, I know, but some people aren't familiar with tabletop RPG as like a whole medium. So I'm going to refer to it as D and D, but I'm really talking about just like this whole kind of thing, um, overarchingly. And then we have the success of Critical Role. Uh, specifically with with their their first campaign of Vox Machina, but there's also really other great groups like High Rollers, Dimension Twenty, Rivals of of, of Waterdeep. Um, those things are, are super popular. And to kind of like con- to contextually put into like how popular Critical Role specifically is from their first campaign that ran from March 2015 to March to November 2017, they cut it into six different story arcs. Story arc like that's like anime, you know, stuff. There are story arcs. There's storytelling. There's character moments there's all the great things that we love about storytelling in D and in these groups and they span that over 115 episodes and this is i mean they started that campaign back in like 2012 so there's like more stuff that we didn't get to see but if you look at like their gameplay hours 373 hours of gameplay which is more hours than the simpsons has and the simpsons is obviously like the longest running show like ever their one season has more gameplay, more story, more characters than The Simpsons has runtime. And they average um, on YouTube and, and Twitch like five, 500 to 600,000 views per video. And the, all these videos are like three to four hours long. So it's not like it's a you pop it on and think it's a commitment to watch these things. They're, and they're so big that when they had their Kickstarter to do Legends of Vox Machina, the, the animated version of their campaign one, they had over 80,000, almost 89,000 backers, and they made $11.3 million off of Kickstarter within like the first, you know, week or so. Um, and now it has two approved seasons of Prime Video, 100% of Rotten Tomatoes, and it's fantastic. So the fact that we're getting this D&D movie now, I think, is, you know, the right time, I think. Um, I'm a little skeptical a little worried but we'll talk about that <laughs> a little bit later but like what what's your, y'all's connection with like D and how are you guys feeling about like this rise that you're seeing um given that you guys had experience with it you know before so i'll i'll dive in first of all seg- a, a, a good sidebar here that was an impressive info dump sir very well done 
373 hours of gameplay more than Simpsons is insanely impressive, especially because I'm old enough and I'm going to show my age. I still remember the promotion for when The Simpsons first came on television way back in the day. So I, I, I've I, seen season one when it was live, when I, I'm, I'm that old. If anyone young's listening, and yes, I am that old. Um, but yeah, as far as D&D, like, I, I didn't really have much of a history with it. it it's interesting. Like, I... Again, growing up in the 80s, like if you liked any kind of like sci-fi or like specifically kind of nerdy stuff, it was a lot of you really had to hide. Like it's not something you ever talked about. And it, you know, it was uh it was a tough thing to to battle with for me personally, just because like I love a lot of this stuff, but I didn't have friends who were necessarily into it. Um, so it was one of the, one of those things you kind of had to like hide away and like, oh no, no I'm not I'm not really into that stuff, you know. To, to keep in, you know, with your mates and as far as like you being a teenager and battling with all that stuff. Um, that said, I think I really got a little bit more exposed to it. And it it, just, it sounds silly to kind of admit it openly, but like it, it was Stranger Things, really. I mean, that really opened up. Uh, I mean, I remember watching the, the original D&D movie that came out. Um, I want to say it was early 2000s, late 90s. Um, and it was just a terrible movie um i i know i grew up i I, you know i'm thinking back to it now i think my first interaction actually was um did you ever get the D &D cartoon i've seen the D &D cartoon like on youtube yeah charles did you ever see that from back in the day i think it was late 80s early 90s i if i did i have no i've seen like the box cover at best buys back when the you know box collections for everything were everywhere but if I have seen it, I have no recollection of it. What from everything I've heard is for the best. It's uh, the animation back in the day. Like again, it was just one of those. Like I grew up in a time when animated kids shows were just absolutely stellar. There was so much to choose from growing up. It was. It really was. We were spoiled. Um, and D and D was one of those animations, and I'd completely forgotten about it, honestly. Um, but I know. Uh, John Francis Daly, who's uh, one of the writers of, of um, D and D uh, Honor Among Thieves, was a, was a big fan of that show as well. Um, but again, it was one of those things you you watch a lot of animation. You're a kid, you know, it just kind of happens. You you know, I hate it's a poor term to use, but you grow up and you kind of start watching other things. But I, there's definitely with the generation that we're in now, there's definitely a, um, a nostalgic uh, kick. There's a lot more people kind of like promoting and merchandising and uh, you know it's it's a lot more within our popular culture as far as this stuff and again like i said I, I i go back to stranger things kind of really brought me back around to some of that stuff and like the nostalgic 80s and kind of like seeing you know how kids lived back then with cell phones and the rotary phones um, and adding in splicing in that uh D aspect of it was just kind of like a lot of fun and then how the show itself the narrative pairs with the actual horror elements to the kids playing the game as well. Um, but since then, I feel like that was for me, the doorway. Cause ever since then, I feel like D and D narratives are like being adapted everywhere. And before then, I, I don't know if I really saw it a lot of them honest. Yeah. I mean, it, it's just more kind of like sitcom based, like community has probably like one of like the best D and D episodes. Oh, um, I, I, that I could think of, um, yeah, I think Futurama has a pretty good one as well. 
I'm trying to think of like other other ones that that have really good ones, but they kind of that. that, I mean, uh, Key and Peele have like a hilarious skit centered around D&D. So it's definitely, I think, been more of like, oh, you just do like a one episode thing. But it's been a while since we've had like a. A thing like this where we're getting a full movie for it and and Dungeons and Dragons Honor Among Thieves looks great. Um, I think I have some like reservations on it because a lot of things that you mentioned when you're talking about like what made like the the animation that you watch great, what makes Stranger Things great is kind of like this long-standing format of being able to build the world, be able to build the characters. And I'm worried personally about how they're going to be able to smash what the feelings you get when doing a D&D campaign into a movie of of like this size um and and, and that kind of has me like a little bit worried but in with, with all the actors I'm, I'm sure i'm sure it'll be great um i know like even things like the the druid turning into like an owl bear the indie community was like you can't even do that that's that's not how that works <laughs> so uh, my only hope is that they don't make it like a joke like it's not like a funny thing like so you know people who go watch are like oh look at these 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 people do you know type of thing so that's kind of the thing that i'm i'm worried about and i think when we look at things like um talking about video game adaptations warcraft you know okay movie on its own but misses so much because it has to pack in so much so quickly uh charles's point on witcher being a four episode like mini series yep you know also kind of um stands for that so i'm worried about how they're going to adapt this into a movie and make it have that same kind of feel maybe we'll get like those kind of like one shot feels but these people have been around it seems like this kind of grand adventure so i'm hoping that they take the time to really you know flesh out the story and it's not just like a bunch of like eat gags of like oh there's a gelatinous cube you know there's the you know that's a fireball uh type thing so i'm skeptical going into it probably not as excited as i'd like to be but definitely um because when talking with um when when I did when I did the interview with you know uh Marisha Ray, Ashley Johnson, and Matthew Mercer, one of my first questions to them was, how did you cut out so much stuff in that first, you know, 12 episodes? And it was like a process. It was like the first thing they had to do. They had to like make sure they they kept things in that were relevant to the story, but also have nods so people can who are big fans and kind of get those Easter egg nods, but put them in. It, it's it's a lot of work. And I'm hoping that this isn't like a cash grabby kind of thing for them to cash in on how popular D's become um and i hope they have like the and i know people are like oh you know chris bard the bard or chris pine the bard and and, and that stuff but i still want it to be good you know uh, what, I, what do you think I, charles all right well first before i before i go into it before um uh, kate listens to this and has a stroke I have to remind you that Lord of the Rings is not a D&D like story. D&D would be like Lord of the Rings. So, now <laughs> I know when I said that, when I said that I was like I've got I've got a feeling I've some Lord of the Rings fan are going to come after me <laughs> so, for making that comparison. I was like I instantly regretted it and I was just yeah, like high fantasy is keep moving up. I got yeah, you back. high fantasy is um, in right now. <laughs> but no, I mean I I have a ton of tabletop experience myself. Um not a ton of it in in uh, D&D, though. My experience goes from five all the way back to I know people who loved first edition, which that's a whole different thing to unpack. Um, but and while I do like I do definitely appreciate um, uh, like it, it is really tough to capture the tone, especially since like we always talk about the biggest struggle with adaptations is everyone like 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 especially like the, the best example is like the MCU where you have a character like Captain America and everyone knows who Captain America is, 
But at the same time, who he is often depends on, did you start reading when Bendis was writing? Did you start reading in the modern with Tequila, with, um, uh, I can't remember the name. Casey now, Coates. Uh -huh. Yes, there you go. Thank you. I always get him and somebody else mixed up. Um, and that sort of stuff. So they can be very different. And D&D &D is like the ultimate example of that, where like some people have D&D &D sessions where it is like, uh, Lord of the Rings, where it's serious, there's a dangerous threat, and then there are people who are like, all right, we're going to sneak in quiet, then we're going to set off an explosion, and we're going to come out loud and have a ton of, like, so it's so, so, like, it's the ultimate example of a franchise that, like, I feel like, for some, like, I watch it, and I was like, yeah, that, a lot of that feels like a D&D &D campaign. These people kind of know what they're doing but do they really and like it it has that vibe of like a bunch of friends like i had um it wasn't D, &D it was star wars but i ran like a star wars campaign weekly on sundays with some friends really missed a weekend other than like holidays for like two years and we like wrecked the star wars universe and we had a <laughs> lot of those moments where like it was crazy and it was fun and so like i feel like that I, they're definitely trying to capture that energy and i do agree that like it needs to be for me a DD &D movie needs to be fun but it needs to be having fun with itself and not making fun of itself is like that's exact yes that's exactly what i was trying to get across yeah you nailed the charles yeah so i i guess my my larger question then since we're, we're talking about DD &D is a, a conceptual uh you know a adapting it to a you know a more of a visual medium like shows animation uh, movies and things like that like do you guys feel like that it's a bit of a phase right now like everyone's kind of seeing it as a cash grab that it's such a it's becoming such a popular thing that everyone's trying to have their their say of it like i guess what are your what are you seeing from you guys as like being tabletop gamers i mean personally i feel like as with what probably is, you know, is true for a lot of the cash grabby sort of things, it depends on whether or not it's good. You know, yeah. if it hits and it makes money and they're like, hey, people want this. Could we see a, um, uh, you know, could, could this lead to a Forgotten Realms animated series or a water, uh, water deep movie or like, absolutely. You know, like it's just, it's always that first step that makes it so hard. And Especially like the in, the other interesting, the, the biggest thing that I'm kind of curious about since, you know, I mentioned like the Forgotten Realms and stuff is what are they doing with that? Because there is like, that's the other element of D&D that's so interesting is like they have those established worlds like the Forgotten Realms, Iberian, I think it's called. But then at the same time, it can also just be generic world where they walk into a kingdom and oh, this is a human kingdom. Do we need the particulars? No, it's a human kingdom. Just go with it. And for a two hour movie, I imagine that they're not going to get too deep into it. But there are those people who want to see Dritz and all of those characters that are iconic. So it is an interesting, like, where do they go from this? And if this is successful, do they then try to, like, post-op connect to, oh, this actually is in the Forgotten Realms. We just didn't mention it and try to bring those, like, there's so much oddity. But I think it does have a lot of potential. Like I said, it just has to hit off well. Or else who wants to invest in the failing thing? Yeah, I think if you look at it like the micro level of is D&D, is tabletop RPGs popular? I mean, the, the answer is overwhelmingly yes. I mean, the statistics speak for themselves. The fact that they were in critical role just as kind of like probably the big per, uh, perennial, um, you know, $11 million on Kickstarter. Like, it's crazy. Yeah. So the, the, uh, 
the, the excitement is there. The Legends of Vox Machina is fantastic. So it can be done. Um, and I, I think we've, we, we, you know, we've seen the rise of like video games coming back, uh, video game ad- adaptations being good, comic book movies being good, anime being fantastic. And I think D&D is just that next thing in pop culture nerd fandom that's going to become popular. And I say this because every person I have ever done a one shot with who's never played D&D before loved it. Yeah. You know, so I think you just got to be exposed to it. And maybe this movie isn't good. And people are like, oh, D&D is not great. You can go point them to Legends of Vox Machina. You can point them to High Rollers. You can point them to other versions of you can invite them to do a D&D thing at your house. So even if it doesn't hit the way that it needs to, I think that if you're friends with the right people, you'll still get that um, uh, connection to it. And the fact that Charles said that he did a, a Star Wars tabletop RPG campaign for two years makes me want to invite him on on one already. So it's just like kind of like <laughs> vibe and community that that's with it that it it just ha- it can't be terrible. I think that's I think that's where I'm at. It can't be terrible. The quality be, the quality has to be yeah. there and it has to be taken seriously. I guess in, in a question, and Charles and Adrian, you both kind of touched on this in a, in a way. Like, do you visualize with something like D and D? as a concept even beyond just tabletop that it has to be one thing or is it kind of malleable and it can be because i i think that's what like from my point of view again knowing nothing about it and historically kind of going through from where i've been with it like i always had a concept of like oh this dnd is 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 one thing it's you know it's black and white it covers here but then in seeing how something like Stranger Things did it. And then again, the multiple iterations where you've got like this, obviously new D&D movie, which has got a lot of humor. You've got Vox Machina, which got very dark at points as well. Um, it, it For me, like, I, I guess I was surprised, like, oh, it can be a lot of different things. It's It's just a format of storytelling where you've got to hit key components. Yeah. And then there's background there, of course, and history, but... I guess I was surprised uh, yeah, as a, a generic mean, audience. Yeah, I, I think it is. I think it's malleable in the same way Star Wars right now is malleable, where you can have like a you know you can have a heist movie centered on D and D. You can have a you know go save the princess or prince or go save the kingdom type of D and D. Like you can have those those different moments. Go and Stranger Things proves that you can. And Ravenlaw. Yeah, Ravenlaw. Like there's 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 so much stuff that you can do. Um, and the, and you know, like Charles was saying earlier, the story is like already there. Like you have, it's not hard to adapt these things in terms of having a cohesive story. So you can take it really any way you want. You can take it to space if you want. There's tons of really great space tabletop RPG uh, modules. You can do mecha stuff too. I mean, the the it, it's super super malleable if it's given like the right care. I think. It um, and I mean it's interesting. Like we're talking about it, its impact on on pop culture. I mean, uh, obviously. Not long ago, was it Halloween? Uh, I was volunteering at my uh, kids' uh, local elementary school. I want to say I probably saw about 15 to 18 different kids dressed in the Vecna outfit from Stranger Things. And I just, it blew my mind, not just because, you know, it was a tax of Strange Things and it was a great villain, but the fact that it's... Um, origin it's like history was tied so closely with D, and it was kind of just like crazy to me like how big some of this has gotten and how like you know in the um 
the lexicon of, of pop culture, like how we use it, it's just become such a, a yeah. common thing to throw out these days. Yeah, I, this might be if you like Stranger Things, you like D and D. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I, so if you if you like Stranger Things, that is D and D like at its core of of what that what that is. So if you like that, you know. You, you'll probably like Legends of Box Machina. You'll probably like all these other things. And you'll probably have a good time watching Dungeons and Dragons out among, among Thieves. I was just say, how, how do you guys take it um, as far as like from a tabletop perspective? You guys have been in, you know, obviously for quite a while. How, how do you take it with, with people coming in kind of like brand new? Like, how, how do you even begin to start them off with something like this as far as like, what, what how do you point someone to like, Based on their level of interest, I like Stranger Things. I'd love to do more D&D. Well, I mean, the the hardest thing, and I'm sure like Adrian knows as well, like the hardest thing with tabletop games when you have a new player is that they have to find a group that fits for them. Like there are there, there are there are groups that like I like I've played in where we're all about the narrative. Yes, D&D is a combat game, but we want to be role-playing. We want to be going on adventures and making persuasion checks to get people to do what we want and all that stuff. And then, and and we play fast and loose. Like, you know, like the, I think, I, I think it used to be in the D&D manuals. Like the first, like on the first page of the book, it says that these, these are the rules, quote, air quotes, but the DM has final say. If the DM decides that this rule ruins a campaign, he can throw it out. Because the important thing is you have fun. So finally, like, you know, but if you have someone who's like, oh, I want to, you know, they've memorized the rule book and there are people who do that and, you know, and want to follow every rule to the letter, they're not going to have fun with people who, oh, we yeah. just want to have a good time. So it's like the wrong group is like the hardest thing for a new D&D player. If you can find the right group for the person let them experience it. Let them be like, okay, we're good. what kind of character do you want to play? You know, like you have to be very open with other people's ideas. I remember one of my first um, D&D adventures I ever tried to do. I, I walked in and I was talking with the GM and I wanted to play a Dwarven Ranger. And he said, no, those don't exist. And I was like, what do you mean they don't exist? There's forests on the outside of mountains. Why can't there be dwarves in them protecting the mountain? No, Dwarven Rangers only exist in underground campaigns. We're not doing it. Ever for like the next three campaigns I did, I played Dwarven Rangers just because I could, and it ticked me off. And <laughs> the I spite. said no. I love um, it. Yeah, and I, I think I think for me that would be the big thing, Aaron, is finding a good DM, GM, whatever you want to call the person who's running the game, because they can adjust. Like I think a good one can adjust. Because I've done ones with my friends who, um, like my friends from high school who were like the cool kids who were like oh, D D, but by the end of it, you know, they were the most excited people that I've ever you know done campaigns with. I've done. Uh, speed runs at DreamHack where I've like D and D or I've, I've DM'd for these people who have been playing D and D longer than I have. Not nearly as fun to do because they are very rule oriented. So I think just finding a GM that's like flexible and will let you have the fun that you want to have. Um, before pandemic, my friends and I got together and I you know, did this whole world and everything like that. And I was really really excited. You know, we set this thing. There, there's, there's this curse that was like inflicting the world. And they spent the first hour and a half shopping for bread and hats. <laughs> and it was a lot of fun, you know. And there was another time like where this one guy just couldn't get the roll right to go cross a bridge. It, it was it was super easy. He just I couldn't can, do it. Um, I can, I. I yeah, I can find quick. those. Okay, really quick. Um, a friend of mine ran a campaign for Hackmaster, which is like a parody D and D system, 
and he had this whole big end of the world campaign laid out for us. And on the first mission, we came across he'd made this like medieval Walmart style, low brand quality armor shop. We found out about it. We went there. They, it turned out that they were a bit um, humans only, shall we say, and many of us were not human. The campaign then proceeded to become us single-handedly tearing down this chain of armor shops. Screw the world-ending campaign. We didn't care anymore. <laughs> Hijacked the whole thing right out from under him. One of the funnest times I ever had with D&D. <laughs> I was going to say, do you think that's one of the things that is is why these D&D narratives are taking off in such fashion because you've got such a diversity as far as like the cast, as far as, the, you know, you've got your quest of people and everyone kind of feels like they, they see themselves on screen in a certain way. You know, you've got the different roles as far as who can be and you know, you feel, yeah. you can it's, feel it's, almost it's... like attached. And, and and Michelle Rodriguez says it like in a little featurette, but it's like a hero's journey, but every single character is going through their own hero's journey. So you're not just following, you know, I, I don't know why I'm saying this, but Percy Jackson, like you're not just following yeah, Percy yeah. Jackson, like on, on like his, his hero's a journey. singular you're hero. Exactly. Like the, you're following the chosen multiple. one, like a Luke exactly. Skywalker-esque. Yeah, yeah. And, and a lot of the times you're just, you know, random people. And I, that's, I think, more accessible than having it focus on one person. And I think what sets it apart from comic book movies which will set it apart from anime which i think will set it apart from even some video game series as well um and capturing a different kind of market in this kind of nerd fandom i was going to say so i guess my my last question as we kind of you know move to wrap this up is do we think these dnd narratives in popular culture and the way we're seeing them in, in, in you know so um such ferocity like so so many different uh, versions of it do we think it has a staying power? Like, and I know for you guys, you may kind of look at it from a tabletop view, but like as far as in um, shows, in movies, do, do we think we're going to continue uh, to see this or do we think it's going to be some of a, a phase, I guess? Um. Yeah, I mean, I feel like there is definitely potential because the the biggest thing about D and D and like the whole concept of doing movies in it is as we said earlier, there's there's a flavor of D and D for everything. So like much like you know like like people always talk about it like you know like when they talk about the MCU, the best eras of the MCU is when they're not just superhero movies. When you're getting Winter Soldier, which is a spy movie that happens to have superheroes in it, you know, and stuff like that. So like if it were to become popular enough, more, more genre genre based. Hmm? more genre based yeah i mean yeah i mean and like so like you could definitely like if D movies became popular it would be easy enough to do a this is a fan like if they just made a whole slew of fantasy movies that would probably get worn but if they did a this is a fantasy movie this is a DD movie but it's horror this is a DD movie but it's a buddy comedy this is a DD, but it's so it's a flavor for everyone and really brings out that the the variety and depth that DD ha has because that's why people can play it for years i mean i've heard of you know campaigns that have gone decades that people show up and play and they have this whole world like they're playing like you know the descendants of their original characters and all this stuff and it gets crazy because wow. you can just do whatever you want with it because at the end of the day it is like in the broadest strokes DD is a generic here are orcs here are elves here are, these are the stats for them do what you want so the the possibilities are endless 
the quality just has to be there. It's the original open world video game. It really is. It's it's just it's just saying, hey, go pretend, go play. And if you can do that, and and I think if people can do that and they can keep their minds around that as they go into these these kind of projects, I think it'll have that staying power that it needs. If you can believe everything that happens in the MCU, everything that happens in Star Wars, everything that happens in Star Trek, you you'll you'll get along. You'll you'll understand like why a rug might be scary for these people walking into this castle because it could come alive and eat you, you know? So I think it's the, the bones are there and legends of Vox Machina, the fact that D and D is more profitable every single year, you know, the rise of things on social media for D and D the, the bones are there. I just hope that this movie, I think at the end of the day, the Dungeons and Dragons Honor Among Thieves, if you took out the like D&D part, would it still be a good movie? And I think that'll really cement whether or not being able to kind of go do a more kind of wacky, fun adventure kind of D&D will work for people. It's going to be interesting, I guess. So let us know what you think. Um, are you a hardcore tabletop gamer and would like to uh, talk more with Charles and Adrian? Uh, are you first time? As I would, you like to get in, invested? And in, in, are you interested in starting and just don't know how? Uh, maybe, maybe you're uh, getting a little tired of the D aspect coming to the um, visual medium. Let us know. We yeah. we would absolutely love to. Maybe you join the Discord and maybe we'll do a D and D one shot with people. Heck Who knows? Yeah. I think we we had one back in the day, didn't we? A couple of years ago. I think they tried it. I don't know if they ever got off the ground, but this this will be our reason to do one. Let's do it. Exactly. See, I was going to say we're we're. I mean, if you're on the east coast, uh, like me and Charles are, like you're you're coming into the throes of winter. Uh, snow is coming. We're all cold, and we want to be inside. So uh, join the Discord. Ask about doing a tabletop. Adrian and Charles will, will hook you up. They're, they're your go-to folks. All right, uh, let's wrap it up with as far as the, the last section of the podcast. Uh, where we talk about some of the things that we've been watching, which we think you should check out as well. Adrian, what's on your list this week? Yeah, I think the only like really new thing that I've been watching week to week is Bleach Thousand Year Blood War. Um, haven't been super excited about the last two episodes, but the season as a whole has been really, really great. If you watch Bleach and kind of like this like nostalgia whole kick that we've been talking about throughout the episode, if you watch Bleach back in the day, it's definitely time to get back into it because the, the season's really, really great. And then outside of that, a lot of my time is going to uh, World of Warcraft Dragonflight, the, the newest expansion for World of Warcraft. Again, if you were a long time, you know, if you played World of Warcraft back in the day, this is the most World of Warcraft has felt since, I don't know, Miss the Pandaria, probably. Um, so it's been it's been a while since they've kind of had this uh, this contained story. It's a lot of fun. You don't have to like you're not pressured to do a whole bunch of things. So definitely a great time to get back into World of Warcraft and Bleach if, if those are up your alley. How about you, Charles? Um, yeah, so uh, the the bulk of my life lately has been consumed with um, Marvel's Midnight Suns. Um, absolutely love the game. It is phenomenal. If you're a fan of the Fire Emblem Three Houses style tactical gameplay, then going back and upgrading your base and talking with people and getting to know people. There's some great narrative um, focuses on some lesser known Marvel characters, Nico Minora, Blade which is lesser at this point. I know he had the movies back in the day. Um, Ileana Rasputin, who Laura Bailey voices, does really good, though. The woman oh, That's all you had to say? Now. That's but all you had to say? The woman that voices Nico is phenomenal. Um, really good story. Some animation, some visual issues, but, you know, it's like a double-A size game, so, you know, you take it. 
Um, but phenomenal to play. Absolutely loving it. Um, watching, uh, well, we're getting we're getting close to the end of the fall anime season, so I've I've been doing a lot. Um, but if there was one that I would absolutely adore people to watch, it would be this one on Crunchyroll called Bo Bo Boshi the Rock. Um, it is an anime about a young girl who wants to be in a rock band, but she has like severe social anxiety and she's terrified of interacting with people. And the way the show handles it is absolutely beautiful. It doesn't make fun of her, but it has fun with her. Um, it's a situation where like, you know, like you get a lot of her internal, like how she sees things happening and folding out. And it's obviously overblown and insane, but it plays really nice with her. The friends that come to come around her are really sweet. It's a really lovely series that if you if you deal with that, you'll definitely connect. There's some great humor. Adrian, you'd love a moment in the last episode where she gets attacked by like this flock of birds because she's got this food and there's like the big dust cloud and then it clears and there's the little indented circle and she's laying in it Yamcha style. Oh, sign me up. <laughs> sign me up. I'm, I'm with it. But um, yeah, so that's been really great. And also... I watched it just shortly. Uh, the last season came out a couple of months ago, but um, just because we're talking about fantasy on Netflix, there's three seasons of Dota Dragon's Blood, which uh, based on the MOBA game, obviously nothing to do with how you actually play it, much like Arcane with League, um, but it is an excellent high fantasy series. Takes a little bit of time in the first season to get going, but once it gets going, it just goes, goes along. Great characters, all of the fantasy tra trappings and it does some surprising turns you won't see coming but absolutely a not perfect show but a really good one that if you like high fantasy and you want something with a bit of a different energy and vibe it will definitely give it for you nice very cool uh yeah i've been uh watching um doom patrol uh, the latest season uh is i think is coming out tomorrow uh on hbo max season four um enjoyed it but you can definitely tell as a weird and kind of wacky show like they've they've always tried to like push the boundaries as far as what they do with the characters and the narratives it, it just feels like they're starting to lose steam um it just i i felt like i think i kind of coined it and said you know it's lacking a bit of a wow factor it's feeling a little tired uh overall so i i'm curious to to see how they're going to continue uh on with the, the story um and it's it's tough as well because they've they've done such great work with the um character development and kind of like where they're taking people but again it, it how many times can you kind of like you know go over that bridge um so i've seen six episodes at this point um so i'm still interested to see how the season finishes but i'm starting to kind of wane on my interest with it unfortunately it, it just hasn't um and i think it's important with shows to understand that they're They've got an expiration date and, you know, how much can you get out of it? And I, I think, unfortunately, Doom Patrol is kind of hitting the end of its its tenure. Uh, I did also get a chance to um, sit in on a, 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 a press event uh, with the um, cast and creator for the new Willow series on Disney+. Plus, and I absolutely love this, man. Again, talking about, uh, you know, child of the 80s and fantasy things I grew up with and very D&D-style uh, uh, story narratives. Willow is uh, it's it's up there for me. I just love it. Um, Warwick Davis is just he's the man. He's so awesome, and he's just funny. And it, you know he he was seventeen when he was in this movie originally, and now coming back as a you know a mid fifties uh, gent, and 
he just brings so much more experience with him on his acting level, his, his comedy. Um, he's just he's fabulous, uh, and it's just again, see, it it's been really really nice uh, seeing him back in that world. The show does tend to over lean on it, its comedy elements a bit too much, unfortunately. I think it still works, and there's a lot of really good um, characters that they're, they've introduced, and they've definitely expanded the world beyond what the original film had done. And it, it's right, honestly. Again, we we talked about it again just in the previous topic of the D and D stuff. Like it's there to be explored, uh, so we'll, so why not explore it and see what they can do? I think it's still really good. It's worth watching. And as far as like Disney Plus, they don't always have a ton of different things you can watch outside of what they've got with marvel and star wars so it's nice to see them trying to bring back some something different and and adapt with a high fantasy element um so i'm hoping to see to see more of that from uh, disney plus honestly like um expanding what their stories can be um outside of that i've just been watching an absolute ton of world cup sitting in the discord and it's just been such a good time, honestly. We we've had such a a great laugh sharing in these moments. And on, and this is my seventh World Cup I've watched, and it's honestly been one of the most dramatic ones I've possibly ever seen. It, it's been just really, really good. And it, off the back of that, I'm playing a lot of FIFA and just just really enjoying it. So I am a perpetually uh, depressed person because. I'm an Everton fan. If you know anything about soccer, you'll understand that completely. So it's nice to enjoy soccer, football, uh, without being brought down by my team that I support. They're all absolutely just dreadful. Um, but yeah, that's 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 all I've been doing lately. Trying to take it easy and it's uh, gearing up to the holiday season with kids. It's I always have a lot of time. Oh, one last thing. I did watch RRR on Netflix and that is absolutely just astounding. Um, Go watch it. It's three hours, but if you if you're able to watch Avengers Endgame, if you're able to watch the Batman, if you're able to watch Avatar or anything like that, RRR, do it. You will not be uh, disappointed. The action in it, there's uh, some dancing, which is the dance scenes are absolutely amazing. Uh, music's awesome. Just the best bromance. Uh, there's these two characters, and they just an epic, epic bromance, and it's it's awesome. It's the story's so so good, and the action's fantastic. Some really great cinematography as well. Um, fight choreographies is just astounding. Really, really, really good movie. Uh, we talked about um every everywhere, everything everywhere, all at once is going to be cleaning up at the awards. RRR is going to be right next to it. Those two are going to be duking head-to-head the entire time. So if you get a chance, uh, do that. Go watch RRR. Just split up in two if you need to. Over the weekend, whatever you need to do, go watch it. I absolutely implore you to do it. All right. I've waffled on enough. Uh, That's our show. Thank you so much for listening in. Uh, If you like what we're doing, please don't forget to drop us a like, subscribe, retweet, or review. Uh, Whatever we can get, we will absolutely take it. Uh, make sure to check out our site, our YouTube channel, uh, Twitch. And if you want to keep the conversation going, you can always find us on the But Why Though Discord, chatting about the latest in pop culture news. That link is discord.gd slash But Why Though. You can also find us on Twitter and Instagram at But Why Though PC. Adrian, where can the people find you if they want to check out more of your stuff? Yeah, find me primarily on Twitter at SuperReese93, S-U-P-E-R-R-U-I-Z-93. Charles, how about you? 
Yeah, uh, people can find me on Twitter as well at Gatsu083. Uh, and I've been your host, Aaron. Uh, you can find me at BritishCPA on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, you can find all my all my writing on the Botwido site and find me featured on some of the Twitch and YouTube reviews. And if that's not enough, you can always find me in the Botwido Discord, talking about anything and everything. That's it for this week. Thank you so much, and we'll see you next time. <laughs>